the teams you care about. Mac Jones is good. That's not the question. The question is, is he good enough to win repeatedly in this loaded AFC? The stories that matter to you. If I'm Xander Bogarts, I need three things in order to get over that insulting contract offer. This is your home for New England sports. Jason Tatum, superstar. Book it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show on a Thursday right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. So, funny story here. Funny story today. I thought, until like a few hours ago, I thought we had a full show today. I told you last night we had a full show, all 90 minutes. I actually recorded a promo for the show that played up until about noon today that said we had a full show. I was all ready for a full show. I had a full show planned. And then I realized, oh, wait, the Red Sox actually are playing today against the Texas Rangers. I don't like to make mistakes. I really don't like to admit to my mistakes. But this one I've just got to laugh at. I apologize that I misled all of you. I apologize I had you thinking the Red Sox were off today, and they weren't. I apologize that I told you there was a full show today, and there isn't. We're on for 40 minutes until 6.10. But this is apparently what the Red Sox have done to me. The Red Sox have been so bad. The Red Sox are so out of it that I now now no longer can keep their schedule straight. They are no longer now at the forefront of my mind. I love talking about the Red Sox. I love watching the Red Sox. But... They are no longer at the forefront of my mind, apparently. That's what they've done to us this season. That's where we're at. They have been so bad that they are no longer right at the top of my prefrontal cortex. I I thought they were off today. I had this day scheduled as an off day for like three weeks. I was looking at off days. I'm like, oh, yeah, this Monday, that Thursday. I thought this day was off forever. And here we are. I walk in. I'm like, oh, wait, they're actually playing today. I had a full show. I had all 90 minutes planned. Now i got to cut 50 minutes of it to, to talk for 40 here. Disappointing. I was ready for a full show. So apologies that I was wrong. Apologies that if you were excited about a full show, we don't get one. I was too. And if you thought you were crazy for thinking the Red Sox were playing and I told you they weren't, you weren't crazy. I was the one who's crazy. But the Red Sox have been so bad that I apparently have just now lost their schedule in my head. We will talk about the Red Sox today. Tyler Milliken of 98.5 The Sports Sub is going to be with us in 15 minutes. As a result of all this scheduling confusion, Danielle Marmer, who we teased yesterday, the first on-ice assistant coach for the Boston Bruins in their history and a Vermont native, she's going to be with us tomorrow at 545. So I'm still very excited to talk to Danielle, but she'll be with us tomorrow. Tyler Milliken of 98.5 The Sports Hub and of DraftKings is going to be with us in about 15 minutes. But yeah, the, the Red Sox have just gotten me so distraught that I now no longer remember when they're playing. You can get in, as always, on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. That's 802-585-3026. It's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. You can also check us out on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and my Twitter account also. Five, four. Three, two, one. And here we go. 
The opening thoughts of the Brady Farkas Show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. We have spent a lot of, I would say, the last two and a half weeks, we spent a lot of that time talking about negativity when it comes to the Patriots, right? This guy's negative. That guy doubts them. This guy thinks it's a bridge year. This guy is mad at the offense. This guy thinks Belichick stinks. This guy thinks Belichick's arrogant. The last two and a half weeks have been a lot of Patriots negativity. Well, I found you earlier today, the one guy who's being positive about the Patriots. This is Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL general manager. If Mac Jones continues to play the way that I believe he will, the way he started his career, they'll have the second best quarterback in the AFC East. I give him credit for that. They stayed where they were in the draft. Mac Jones fell to them. And he may be like the great eraser where he could erase a whole bunch of mistakes. And when it's all said and done, I think New England has a real chance of making the playoffs this year. So there you go. If you're a Patriots fan and you're looking for some positivity, a little optimism, there it was. Mike Tannenbaum is telling you he thinks they can make the playoffs. And I'll back him up on that. I don't think the Patriots are going to make the playoffs as we sit right now. But if Mac Jones plays out of this world, then yes, they can make the playoffs. So just like Mike says, I look, I, I'm not thinking that's going to happen, but it is possible. Despite the optimism, which I appreciate. I do have an issue, though, with something that Mike Tannenbaum just said. Can we play the kind of the last 10 seconds or so? To mistakes, and when it's all said and done, I think New England has a real chance of making the playoffs this year. Okay, a little bit before that. Let's play like the back half of that. Maybe like the great eraser where he could erase a whole bunch of mistakes, and when it's all said and done, I think New England has a real chance of making the playoffs this year. That is the part I have a problem with. Mike Tannenbaum says that perhaps Mac Jones can be like the great eraser and erase a whole bunch of mistakes. I have an issue with that. One, I don't think that Mac Jones is that guy. At least right now, I do not think that Mac Jones is special enough. This is not a new position for me. I think Mac Jones is good. I do not think Mac Jones is special. So I do not believe that Mac Jones is the guy to be that, quote, great eraser. But even more so than that, he shouldn't have to be that great eraser. At his age and at his experience level, the organization should be taking care of Mac rather than Mac taking care of the organization. There's something wrong in that train of thought. If Mac Jones is the great eraser, Mac Jones shouldn't have to be the great eraser. Mac Jones's organization should be helping him and aiding him and helping him grow and taking care of him and making life easier for him. His organization should not be relying on him to buoy them up in his second year. Mac Jones does not make a lot of money. His organization should not have a problem putting pieces around him that can prop him up, not expecting it to go the other way. Hey, Think about this. This is obviously far more serious, and this is on a real-life application. But there are people out there, and you hear the story, you read the story of some 16-year-old who had to basically carry the whole family, right? For whatever reason, something happened, and some 16-year-old has to be the adult of the house. And when we hear that, we all have the same reaction. Wow, that's amazing that they could do that. 
but it's also terrible they were put in that situation. I wish that they had had a different family life so that they wouldn't have to be the adult and grow up so fast. We all have the same reaction. When we hear that story, that story is sad to us. Now, again, much less serious, but in a football sense, Mac Jones should not have to bear that responsibility right now. Mac Jones, like that kid we're talking about, should have a support system that is there to elevate him. That's what Mac Jones needs. If we're looking for our second-year quarterback to fix the organization, then the organization has done a poor job flat out. That's it. So I appreciate that Mike Tannenbaum likes Mac. I appreciate that Mike Tannenbaum thinks Mac is good enough to go to the playoffs. And I really appreciate that Mike Tannenbaum thinks that Mac can cover for the organization's mistakes, but he shouldn't have to. And if he truly does, that is a big time problem. Quarterbacks who have been in the league five, seven years, I expect them to be the big erasers. Quarterbacks who make $45 million a year, I expect them to be big erasers. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, they are the one. Matt Ryan, like if you're making that kind of coin, you've got to be able to pick everybody up and you've got to be able to hide your organization's warts. That's what you get paid to do. That said... Mac Jones, second-year quarterback making no money, he doesn't deserve that responsibility. Look at whatever job you do. Look at whatever job you do. The guy who's been in the business for 15 years is expected to know and do more than the guy who got hired last week. The guy who has been... The guy who is at the top of the company is expected to do more than the part-timer. We don't ask in any other business the part-time help, the newcomer, to just save the whole structure. And that's apparently what Mike Tannenbaum thinks Mac Jones can do. He shouldn't have to do that. 802-585-3026. Russell Wilson should cover warts. Kyler Murray should cover warts. Matt Ryan should cover warts. Matt Stafford should cover warts. Those guys, they get paid to do just that. Mac Jones should be able to grow and learn and have help and have a structure and be insulated. He shouldn't have to overcome a franchise's dysfunction single-handedly. Peter says, it's tough to believe what Mike Tannenbaum says, given he just cratered the New York Giants. Well, he, that was the New York Jets, but regardless, you're talking about Dave Gettleman, who was with the New York Giants. But either way, your point is your point is uh, well documented that Tannenbaum was was not a great executive. Fine, but he's still a guy who knows more than we do, right? Like he still knows more than we do. There's no there's no denying that. Uh, text says, how many wins and losses do you think the Pats are going to have at the end of the year? I would say they're 8-10. and 10, Or 8-9, uh, and nine, I should say. I would say they're 8-9. and nine. That That's where I'm at. 8-9. and nine. But if Mac Jones, if he's got to buoy everybody around him, the, the Patriots has done a bad job. Bad job in drafting. Bad job in development. Bad job in player personnel. Bad job in handling the cap. 
bad job at building the defense. If Mac's got to be everything to the organization, then the Patriots are falling short. I hope that that is not the case. When I see the Patriots, I still think that they should be ascending together. Okay. The young offense, the new offense, Mac Jones, the young quarterback, they should be growing and cresting together. That is how I think about it. I don't look at it like Mac's got to be up here and he's just kind of pulling everybody along for the ride. That shouldn't be the case. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Let's move over to the Red Sox here. Red Sox beat the Twins yesterday, salvage game three of that series. They're getting ready for the Rangers today. Tyler Milliken, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston and part of the Jared Carabas podcast over on DraftKings. He is going to be with us next. Which soon-to-be free agent does he want back most? I'll ask him that next right here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. The Brady Farkas Show now has an interactive text line, so reach out now at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball about 25 minutes from now. Our coverage will begin at uh, 610, first pitch, 710. Rich Hill is on the mound. Sox tried to blow it yesterday late, but they end up beating the Twins, salvaging game three, and now they welcome in the Texas Rangers tonight. Now I welcome in, for the first time ever, Tyler Milliken on this show. Tyler Milliken, he is the associate producer of the Zolak and Bertrand show on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Uh, sports hub in boston he's also the co-host of the very popular jared carabas podcast over on uh DraftKings. so tyler is with us now and tyler i'm going to start with this one it's one i've been questioning a lot recently are the red sox in your mind are they a bad team that had a great month of june a bad team who had one great month or are they a good team that's been snake bitten by playing in a very good division and having a lot of injuries. How do you read them? I definitely lean on the second side there. I, I think when you look at what happened in July, where at one point you lose four out of five of your entire starting rotation, yeah, a lot of those other holes on the roster are going to come through. Now, that's not a reason. There's some people who will sit there, a lot of the Bloom defenders, and listen, I'm a Bloom guy by trade, you know, last year talking and really supporting a lot of its stuff. This year I've been very critical. And the way I've described it to a lot of people is, I think this team was a boat that it had holes, there was water coming in at times, but when the injuries came and kind of wiped out this roster at the most important part of the season, you know, losing Trevor Story, Matt Strom, and Chris Sale while going through a huge divisional stretch against the Rays, against the Yankees, where, you know, we all kind of said this is where this team is going to show their identity. That stuff's going to catch up to you. And I think they kind of just went down that, you know, road at that point and couldn't really recover. And they've been trying to play catch up since, but you can't play catch up when, not only your roster isn't as talented as some of these other in the division, but you didn't supplement this roster for a playoff run. Like you, you know, basically said you were going to. You know, I am a Heim Bloom guy also. I've been defending him all year. And I look around baseball and I look at teams that have been good now and have been good recently. The White Sox stepped back, built the foundation, then they spent big. 
The Padres were bad for a long time, built a foundation, spent big. The Mariners have done the same thing. Toronto did the same thing. I feel like I can see the plan the Red Sox have to build the foundation. They've got $100 million to play with this offseason. I feel like they're going to use it. Do you see the vision in the same way I do, or are you starting to waffle on your high and bloom love? The way I kind of look at it this year was I think there was a legit plan that made a lot of sense coming into 2022, where last year it made sense not to completely push over the luxury tax to sit right behind it because, all right, that team, while they ended up being two games away from a World Series, I don't think anyone, especially considering some of the struggles they were going to or going through, you know, leading up into that trade deadline, thought they were going to go and win a World Series. But, you know, you go as far as you did in 2021, two games away from a World Series. And then you get to this offseason, as we've seen with the Yankees, who made a really big priority to get under the luxury tax last year. They pushed over it this year beyond, you know, just five to eight million like the Red Sox did this year. When it came to the Red Sox stealing Mookie Betts to the Dodgers, the original reason for that trade and the timing of that was because Andrew Friedman believed it was time to push over the luxury tax. And as we've seen over the years, teams have pushed over the luxury tax for two years and got back under. Because ultimately the penalties, whether it's in the draft, uh, you know, and how that affects the bonus pool and different stuff like that, it catches up with you and those penalties steepen year by year. I think what frustrated me so much with the Red Sox this year was, okay, maybe you don't go way beyond the luxury tax at the beginning of the season. You want to see how it plays out? Sure, that's fine with me. But when you get to the trade deadline this year and, you know, you're saying, listen, we don't want to move off of all these parts. You're going to do a little buying and selling. That's where I get frustrated because if you're going to stay over the luxury tax, that's a year where you push those chips in. That makes the following year even more of a conversation piece because if you didn't, you really kind of missed your window to go for it. And I felt like the trade deadline this year, instead of admitting, all right, this team probably, because of injuries and because of some roster construction issues, this is probably not our year, they doubled down on it. And two and a half weeks later, you're out of the race and you held on to J.D. Martinez, who hasn't hit for two months and Nate Evaldi, who's right back on the I.L. once again, and you got no value out of those moves. What's wrong with Rafael Devers? I think he's 0 for his last 17. He's hitting well under 200 since coming back from the injured list. What's going on with Rafi? It's it's tough. You know, I think yeah. there was, a, in the second game of this twin series, there was a ball Devers lifted for a sack fly that, just if you're talking about Rafael Devers, it looked like a ball he'd send, you know, well beyond the bullpens if he was fully healthy. I think we're just looking at a guy who, battled a bunch of injuries, had to really rush back, as we talked about during that stretch, you know, originally at the beginning of July, then had to go on the IL again later. He was trying to save a Red Sox team that was realistically kind of drowning. And rushing back to try and do that, these are the things you kind of see. We know the kind of quality hitter Rafael Devers is. We see how much he's struggling at the plate, and the mechanics are off, and I really relate it to Xander Bogart, who lately we've seen the power surge come back and him drive the ball. When you have these injuries, they alter mechanics and get you lost. It feels like he's kind of out on an island alone right now. Tyler Milliken with us here from 98.5, the Sports Hub in Boston. Also, the Jared Kravis podcast for DraftKings. He's here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Of the young guys on this team and in this organization, I guess I'd include Dahlbeck, Duran, Bayo, Crawford, Winkowski, and Seabold and probably Connor Wong. Who do you think are guys you can actually count on next year? Like who are the guys that you trust to be a part of this thing right from the jump next season? It, it's tough. You know, I think you talk about like the Connor Seabold and the Josh Winkowski of the world. Uh, of the world. 
Connor Seabold hasn't shown much to me beyond something of a quadruple A arm. The stuff has really, truly never bounced back since he had that elbow injury a year ago. I think that's just something you got to be very careful about. He's not proven at the big league level. Josh Winkowski, if you look at a lot of his baseball savant metrics and different stuff like that, he just doesn't miss enough bats yeah. or, you know, bats in total. And, and that's a real problem for a starter. We know in the Arizona Fall League, he's worked up to 99 in a relief role. Is that something you kind of go about? But I think where the Red Sox are is a lot of these young guys, you can't depend on them. And that's why it's so frustrating to see them take some time to wave the white flag. You know, we see Bizarro and Connor Wong today. All right, let's see what these guys have instead of watching whether it's Ryan Brazier, you know, go out there with almost a 70 RA. You're not getting anything out of that. You're not getting anything out of watching Jerry Familia once again. Yeah. And, you know, I like Kevin Pawecki. Are you really getting much out of seeing him? You know, he's hitting well, but he can't throw out anyone at this point. And for a team that already has defensive concerns, you can't really suffer those kind of things. So I think you need to answer those questions during this stretch of the season. And even someone like Jaron Duran, when you don't have any really outfield depth in the upper minors, this was his opportunity. He's turning 26 in a couple days. There's not many 26-year-old prospects that you sit after getting sent down to the minors and you're hopeful they're going to be long-term contributors. So really out of a lot of those names, none of them have proven enough to me. And that's like you said, the Red Sox have about $92 million, uh, to spend before they hit the luxury tax again for the upcoming season. I think they're going to have to spend a lot of that money because so far, a lot of these prospects have not shown they're ready to contribute next year. Of the true free agents, not including Bogarts, who has the player option, of the true free agents, who do you want back most between Kike, Waka, Rich Hill, J.D., and Evaldi? Yeah, so I'll, I'll be honest. J.D., thank you for everything. One of the better deals in Red Sox history, there's no doubt. This is the third consecutive year we've seen Really a significant slump, whether it was all of 2020, a majority of the middle of the 2021 season, which he talked about, you know, really in September, it was great that he got hot in the playoffs, but he couldn't figure it out then. And then it was kind of a similar story this year where the power was never there, but he swung the bat well the first two months and completely fell off. The one name that sticks out to me, and I, I like Michael Walker a lot, I'd, you know, definitely be interested in seeing if you could get him on a two to three year deal for something like 12 million. Um, but he's not, you know, a number two starter. He's not an arm you can really depend on moving forward. And I kind of look at Nate Evaldi with that same concern. You need dependable arms in this rotation if you're going to have Chris Sale sitting at the top. Whether you want to throw Nick Pavetta in that conversation in the rotation, Brian Bayo, uh, Garrett Whitlock, if they end up moving him there, you need stability. And I think even Evaldi and Waka, that stability really isn't there. The one guy I do kind of turn to and say, this would make a lot of sense as a reunion is Kike Hernandez, mm. someone who offers you really gold glove caliber defense in center field. It's clear he wasn't healthy before he went on the IL this year, but since he's come back, he's swung the bat well. I think defense is such an important part of this team, uh, especially playing at Fenway Park. We saw Jared Duran out there put them in such a tough spot with his defense. I think you could get him back on a cheap deal and whether it's playing center field full time or eventually he moved into a super utility role, I think there's a lot of value you can still get there. You know, I know it was dicey last night, but as we talk about looking for next year, do you think Matt Barnes can rediscover himself and become a big part of this bullpen again? Maybe not the closer, maybe not the closer of 2021's first half, but are you seeing enough to at least be excited about his chances for next year? 
A hundred percent. I think that's really been the best story of the Red Sox the last couple weeks since he came off the IL. And I know some people would say, well, you know, the outing before last night, he got tagged for a couple of runs. And then last night it was two base runners on before he escaped. But last night told me a lot because we've seen Barnes be pretty dominant before these last two appearances. Hey, he didn't have his best stuff. He had to lean on the change up a little bit, but he didn't fold. When we saw Matt Barnes before coming off the IL most recently, when things went wrong, he looked terrified out there and like he couldn't get out of it. This time around, Alex Gore goes up to him and says, trust your stuff. What does he do? He trusts his stuff. He's throwing his curve for strikes again. The velocity, it fluctuates a little bit, but it's really in that 94 to 96 range. I don't think we'll ever see first half 2021 Matt Barnes again. And there's been, you know, partially it's overuse. Part of it, you know, I think it's some sticky stuff as well and adjusting to that. But I think you're talking about someone who will be the seventh, eighth inning arm he was really leading up to 2021. I certainly hope that you are right. Tyler Milliken, associate producer, Zolak and Bertrand, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston, also co-host of the Jared Carabas podcast on DraftKings. I'll get you out of here on this. So in addition to being a Red Sox affiliate, we are also a Patriots affiliate. So we certainly know Zoe well. And Bob Sosi comes on the show every week with us during Pat season. I got to ask you, working on Zolak and Bertrand, what is the battle you have to fight to get Zoe to talk baseball? What is it like when the production room meetings, when you're trying to get Zoe to talk baseball? When I tell you Zoe will fight me, any football subject he can get, Patriots or non-Patriots, uh, you know, that's his love. That's the language he speaks. Just like baseball for me is the language I speak. If the Red Sox are playing bad, he's down to hammer them. If they're playing good, it's kind of whatever. Uh, but that, that's Zoe. Zoe loves football. He loves talking to Patriots. Uh, so it's going to be a battle at times, but overall, when they're playing the way they are right now, he's ready to dunk on them in any way he can. <laughs> Tyler, we appreciate you, man. Look forward to checking out the podcast again, Jared Krabbe's podcast on DraftKings. And, uh, hey, we appreciate the time. We'll do it again. Hell yeah, it was a blast, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler Milliken, uh, pretty good gig he's got over there, not only working at 98.5 The Sports Hub, but Hooking up with Jared Carabas, one of the most prominent baseball influers, uh, influencers out there and also one of the most prominent Red Sox fans out there. Interesting that Kike is the true free agent he wants back the most. I agree with a couple of our texters. I think Michael Waka is that guy for me. He's not a guy necessarily that you can trust. I wouldn't give him four years and $80 million, but Waka is a guy that I would try to bring back. I would... I'd bring back Waka. I'd also go sign two other starters, too. Like, I, I, I am going to err on the side of having too many starters next year rather than not enough. But Tyler Milliken was uh, awesome. When we come back, we'll get to the Red Sox lineups. And Chaim Bloom needs to learn this skill over the offseason. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Think you know sports better than Brady does? Text in with your thoughts at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, I don't really have time to tell you right now what high and bloom needs to learn we will get to that though at some point here 
on the Brady Farkas show because it is an important topic, but we just can't do it justice in the four minutes we have until the Red Sox take the airwaves. We'll give you the lineups here momentarily. We'll tell you that the Red Sox roster looks a little bit differently today. September call-ups are here, but it's different than it used to be. Remember back in the day, you could bring up the entire 40-man roster and the dugout would be huge and crowded and there'd be a bunch of guys who never heard of like wearing number 79 like a spring training game. Well, we don't do that anymore. It's only two extra guys that can come up. So 28-man rosters today is part of uh, roster expansion. So uh, I'm 50-50 on this news today, right? I'm all for seeing the young guys, seeing what else the Red Sox have. But uh, so Connor Wong is here. That's someone I am excited to see. He should play as much as possible. Kind of what Tyler just said. Do we really need to watch more Kevin Ploiecki? I'd rather watch Connor Wong. As for Edward Bizardo, who we saw very briefly you know, last year, I think we saw him for two games last year. Um, you know, he finished one. I think he threw three innings. You know, eh, meh. What I would have rather seen done is Edward Brizardo comes up, Ryan Brazier gets DFA'd, and Tristan Cassis comes up too. Like, I want to see Tristan Cassis at this point. Wong is good. We should see him, but I want to see Cassis. And I get we still could see him in September at some point, but I want to get a longer look at Cassis. Our goal, our hope, was for him to be the starting first baseman next season. And if we never see him in the majors, we just aren't going to know. I want to know if I can trade Bobby Dahlbeck. Do I have an answer and I can trade Dahlbeck? Do I have an in-house answer or do I need to sign a first baseman? Do I need to keep Eric Hosmer? Can I trade Eric Hosmer? These are things I want answered, and they don't get answered if Tristan Cassis is never here. Tristan Cassis could make Dahlbeck and Hosmer both expendable, and I would be down for that. But if he doesn't get on the field, we're not going to get that answer. I know he's been hurt. I know that the organization wants him to get reps in play, but look, he's played 75 games this year at AAA. He's played 85 games at AAA in his career. He's got more than he's got, you know, about 1100 minor league at bats. It's just time to see, like I've heard that you kind of need at least a thousand plate appearances in the minors, right? He's got like 1200 plate appearances over a thousand official at bats. Adley Rutschman had like 680 at bats. Julio Rodriguez had like 800 at bats guys who are younger than Cassis and are going to be in the rookie of the year conversation they they they're here already. Uh, Cassis to me has enough to be up for some relatively meaningless low pressure September baseball games. This is the guy that I want to see. Let's see Connor Wong. Let's give him a long leash. See if he and Reese McGuire can be the answers next year. But Ed, Edward Bizardo, like I'm happy for him that he's back in the majors, but I would have rather gotten rid of Brazier, brought up Bizardo and seeing Cassis. That's where I'm at with that. The Rangers are 58 and 71. The Sox are 63 and 68. Rich Hill's on the mound for Boston at six and five. Tommy Pham's behind him in left. Alex Verdugo in right. Xander Bogarts at short. Rafi Devers at third. JD Martinez, the DH. Christian Arroyo at second. Franchi Cordero at first. Rob Snyder in center and Kevin Ploiecki the catcher, so no Connor Wong today. For the Rangers, Glenn Otto pitches. He's 6-8 with a 4-7-9. 
Marcus Semien leads off at second. Corey Seegers at shortstop. Nathaniel Lowe is at first. Adolis Garcia is in right. Jonah Heim is the catcher. Leody Tavares is in center. Mark Mathias is the designated hitter. Charlie Culberson is at third. And Bubba Thompson is in left. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to Tyler Milliken. Go download the interview. Go download the podcast on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and WDEVradio.com. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Go Sox right here on WDEV AM and FM.